0: I can't believe that there was a media story, you know, on a mainstream news website in Australia about the fact that if you have someone's public email address, you can in fact send them a message. This was a story here in Australia this week. I
1: think it was more about that it will pop up on their phone, like as if it was a text message.
0: Right. So the the point is, if you have someone's email address, you can not only send them email, but if that person has linked their email address to their Apple ID then you can send them an iMessage. And for most users, they treat iMessages as if it's a text message, which typically you'd need their mobile phone number to send. So it's a little bit more um, demanding someone's attention. Most people would probably have their devices set to give them a notification if they received an incoming text message. And people used that to send messages to politicians to let them know what they thought of things. And it turns out quite a lot of Australian politicians had linked their email addresses to their Apple IDs. But I still don't think it makes a mainstream news story to sort of say. It kind of, the, I think the headline was that it was a hack. And I think <laughs> the journalist who wrote it meant as in a kind of a life hack, a kind of gaming of the system kind of. A yeah,
2: hack. A, a, non, a non-hack hack.
0: Right. But non-technical people that read that story are going to go, oh, Apple devices are so insecure you can... Like, yeah, you know, harass members of parliament.
2: But that's not that's not the journalist's fault, really. I mean, that's was it a just, story? Is it a story? It's not a story. Like, I don't even. care.
0: <laughs> if, if, if you've got an email, someone's email address. He did actually
1: update his article, though. He removed the word "hack" from his article. I'll give him credit.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. I still don't know that it's a story.
1: I thought the whole. Th- I was like really annoyed by the whole thing. It was so hypocritical. Like, imagine if politicians started messaging us all day it would be an outrage but it's okay for us to harass them personally in fact that's actually
2: illegal
0: yeah they work for us so
1: it's like it's actually illegal to harass someone and yet we had a major newspaper promoting it
2: yeah i think the only article that i saw was a was a response to that original one that was suggesting that you should sh- send i to is it george brandis yeah because he's the dude who's going to end up reading all your stuff because of the metadata laws here in Australia now. Yeah. I don't even care about it, honestly. Like... There's so much conflicting news about technology stuff in mainstream media that it's just not worth even worrying
0: about. That was my only bugbear with it, that it was going to come off as a, it's the technology's fault. Yeah, of course it is. It's always the technology's fault.
2: But that's like when when people have problems with their computer and the computer is doing something stupid, it's the computer's fault, even though it might be actually user error. Like, yes, happens all the time. It does. I could, I could provide you with many, many examples but i'm not going to because it would sound like i'm just complaining about people
1: i've got a good example actually which i found interesting my mum's mm-hmm. ipad she's got an ipad 3 she yep. thinks that because it's now running really slow and crashing a lot that it's because it's getting old she's like associated it with the old school windows thing where if you left your computer for a while it just slowly slows down more and more and more so she hasn't associated the fact that iOS was getting worse. She just thinks it's because her iPads are getting old, and if she buys a new one, it will stop crashing.
0: It's an interesting idea.
2: Well, this is, that is interesting because, like, it's we are all talking about in the technology like in the Apple technology realm, right? How Apple software is getting worse. It's got all these bugs. We're you know, worried about it. But is that what really what people are thinking? Well, apparently not.
0: No. Mm. Most people
1: think it's a huge Apple scam to get us to upgrade devices, which I don't think is true. But that seems to be the most common opinion I hear out in the real world, that they deliberately slow down old ones to make us upgrade. I tried to get my iPad 1 going the other day.
0: Wow. What's that? It's probably like iOS 6. I don't know because I couldn't turn it on. The battery was drained to the extent that I couldn't turn it on and I would plug it in to charge it and it would get enough charge to think that it could turn on and in the process of turning on would fully drain the battery again. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and I left it plugged in for like twenty four hours and it kept rebooting every ten seconds for, for twenty four hours. Oh.
1: It might also be the
0: cable. I had that with a lot of my Android test devices. A new cable sort of fixed it. I actually had that with an Android device too. Yeah. I spent a whole day figuring it, going, Why can't I build this on my device? And it was the cable. Um but no, I took it into the Apple store, tried a new cable, and it turns out that it oh. so I recycled it. But I did have to sit there in the store for an hour while they brought me a form to fill out.
1: Yeah, I've found that now I let my a lot of my test devices go completely, you know, dead for months. And they come back alive now, but they don't have any battery to sustain themselves. So when you unplug them from your computer, they die again. But at least you can build and run.
0: Hey, speaking of Android, Mm -hmm. Ben, you've been doing a bit of Android lately. I have. You wrote a blog post about this. Yeah, I
2: did. Some promotion for the win. I I was actually genuinely interested (laughs) in Ben's experiences with Android. I did skim it. I didn't read it because I was at work and didn't really have the time.
1: And you're not really interested in Android. Like, you're not going to develop for Android, so.
2: Nobody said that. Nobody said that.
1: Oh, okay, you said that.
2: Okay. I just my I don't have time right now.
1: You've said that. You said that like you're really nervous about picking up new technologies and you only want to focus on the ones you're good at or whatever it was. Did that last
2: week. Yeah, but that's because I don't have a lot of time. Okay. Yeah, you have enough. to focus your time on the things that you like, the things that are important. It's priorit- prioritization. Yep. It's a basic fundamental part of running a business, slash, trying to actually get anything done.
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just thought that meant. No
2: Android. I've never said that I won't do Android. I'm just, it's not it's not of interest to me right now.
1: So developing for Android has got heaps better since Android Studio came out. So it used to be... Android Studio is awesome. Yeah, well, it's based off IntelliJ, which was pretty good in itself. But the main benefit of Android Studio is that you download it and it includes the SDK for Android. Whereas in the old way, you'd have to download an IDE and then you have to download the SDK manager. And then with the manager, you download the bits of the SDK you need. And you're like, which bits do I need? I have no idea. So at least now the setup is, yeah, next, next. Okay, let's get
0: started. Except not quite right. Because if you actually want to run the app that you write, you might need another bit of software. Really? Or well, like a phone. Yeah. Or the simulator. Or an emulator that actually will launch in something under an hour.
2: Yeah, I've done I've tried to use a simulator for Android and I had no luck with it.
0: Yeah. No luck. So I don't understand, but the built-in simulator just does not work. Like I mean it might do if you've got infinite patience.
1: Okay, so here's how it works. There's two ways to get a decent simulator. There's one which is Genie Motion, which is like a third party simulator that actually works. The trick is the built-in one is an emulator not a simulator. So what it's doing is actually trying to run Android software-wise. It's basically taking the Android bytecode and then trying to run it. That's why it's so slow, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, it's incredibly slow.
1: So it's software-backed. It doesn't use any hardware. It's all CPU. So you can install drivers that will make the Android emulator actually run pretty performant because then it can hook into things to help it speed itself up, like
0: graphics. Mm. So that's the two ways to do it. In, as well as Jenny Motion, um, Xamarin have one called Android Player.
1: Ah, And I've heard Microsoft have one too, or they're building one or something like that.
0: Yeah, they do. They've got a new version of Visual Studio called Community Edition that comes with um, an Android emulator, I think. I I really like Android Studio, so I've been playing with it a little bit, and there's some awesome features in it. Like, just the autocomplete of um, XML files, for example. You don't have to start, like, it doesn't make you complete by the start of whatever you're typing. You can type any letter that appears anywhere in the value that you want to autocomplete, and it will pop up a kind of list of things you're trying to complete. Is it
2: really useful? Because that doesn't sound useful to me. Oh, no,
0: it's it's incredibly useful when, like, say you're adding a permission and you want to, you know, you just open... Bracket. Instead of typing users dash permission, you can just type p for permission.
1: Or you can just type internet. I think like you're looking for the internet permission. Just type internet, and it will get what you're trying to do.
2: But it's based on like word word boundaries. It's not like you would look for internet and you'd type e. Yeah, it's like fuzzy autocomplete. You know, fuzzy
1: search or whatever. It's got a heuristic. Yep,
0: and it just seems to be like it just seems to work everywhere. And the other thing that freaked me out the other day was that it will um tell you when you've made a typo in a method or variable declaration, not usage. If you spell the word wrong when you first declare it, like so you declare a variable and then you use it everywhere and you use the same name everywhere so the compiler's happy, it'll still draw your attention to the fact that you've misspelled the word. Like, did you really mean this other word that's spelled correctly? Like, oh, yeah, I did. Oops, I left a letter out. Mm. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, that's kind of like
0: git. Git does that.
2: Yeah, did you mean... Oh, so cool. when the command line version of Git, when you type in a command like Git, you try to type in push, but you actually type in P-S-U-H. Yeah. Like it will go, did you mean push? Like Yes, I did. Well, yes, I did. Now I have to retype the command. Thank you very <laughs> much.
1: Yeah, that's the only <laughs> problem with it. It doesn't allow you to
0: say, yes, you have to retype it.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah, I wish it did that. The other thing
0: that I was really in- intrigued by, so I haven't done much Android development, but I've just been, I guess, testing the waters lately is the kind of um, similar concepts. So, for example, the UI collection view on iOS and its cell reuse, Android's grid view with a grid view adapter also reuses cells. Yeah. Obviously. It makes wow, sense. it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But it's like I didn't expect the concepts to be so completely, you know, transferable. I expected it to be a, Bigger difference in the platforms.
2: Implementations can can differ in a lot of ways, but there is going to be certain ways in which a thing is done best, right? Hmm. You you know, you think of a think of a level of a game, a level like, for instance, Mario. You can go through many different ways, but there is one path that is the most efficient and the the best. You know, will get you the highest amount of coins with the least amount of time and. I like I think that applies to almost anything including mm. software which means that you know there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of similarities across a lot of different platforms yeah. um you know until we find you know new exciting ways of doing things that are completely and utterly different mm.
1: yeah so some of the patterns are a bit different like you have these things called services on Android which are generally for long running background tasks like instead of just spawning another thread and chucking some work in it they actually have they're almost like sub-apps, or well, like extensions. They're almost like extensions. So you can have a background service, and that will help and it stay alive past the lifetime of your app and stuff like that. So there's definitely things
0: to learn. Does your app take responsibility for starting and stopping services, or does the OS do it?
1: No, your app. This, well, there's two types. So you can you can have an app that just is a
2: service, like a background service, or you can have services within your app. So... Both. So it's a lot more like um, like Mac development then because you can have stuff that runs in the background like daemons and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can. It really is more like developing for a normal operating system rather than a severely locked down one. That being said, it's still locked down. Mm-hmm. Like you can't access other apps' files and things like that. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: you that, nobody wants that really. Mm. So
1: yeah, give Android a go. It's good.
0: Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I'm looking forward to doing some more with it. Um, the one thing that I thought wasn't as nice was the syntax around creating asynchronous tasks, kicking them off in a background thread, and then switching back to the main oh, for sure it just seems yeah. a little bit more I don't know if I'm doing it wrong on Android or if it's just inherently more verbose.
2: you are kind of in love with the
0: idea of what is it c sharps
2: version of that though yes, definitely so anything's kind of pale in comparison, really
0: yep, I agree wholeheartedly so <laughs> c sharps um language level support for asynchronous programming is, is fantastic. Yeah. You can't really think really that. is. We have gone into that before. Yeah. Though. Mm. Yeah. And so and and I think that Swift makes the syntax of using Grand Central dispatch a little bit nicer. hmm Um so it's a l like a couple of lines like to switch, like dispatch async and then you just open brace, do what you want to do in the back and then close brace. So it's a kind of little bit of typing to switch threads. Whereas Android, it seems like you've got to like write an anonymous inner class or a whole async task subclass somewhere that you then call out. And
1: mm. yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely um, things that are worse and better. I mean, you can just kick off a thread, just mm. the same old Java way, if you want, but it's really bad for Android because you'll lose track of, like, say, the device rotates mid-thread, you'll lose track of it, and all that sort of stuff. That's why async task exists to try and help you
0: Runt. with. All yeah. the things around Android. Yeah, and to be fair, the IDE is so good that it kind of hides the pain. I have a bit of a theory that the quality of an IDE is inversely proportional to the language. So if you've got a language that's painful, like something that's painful in Java compared to C Sharp or Swift now is properties. Like if you want to have a private field within a class and you want to encapsulate access to that field through public getters and setters, in Java there's... Like you literally have to write all of that. Yeah. You declare a private variable and yep. then you write a public getter and public setter. But the IDEs, because the language makes it so painful, the IDEs are so good where you just write the private field and then you right click and go refactor, encapsulate, and it generates the boilerplate code for you. Does Xcode do that? Well, I think Swift? I think Xcode probably does, but with Swift you just you've got did set. So like yeah. Swift you don't you just declare your property and then you can just access the property, and later, if you want to customize the behavior of setting it, you can. Whereas in Java, if you've just written a private variable and you're directly accessing it, and then subsequently you want to say, "Oh, every time this variable set, do something different." There's no like yeah, hook to do a that. Way, yeah. yeah, so so it's kind of the onus is on you up front to say every time you create a private variable, encapsulate it with public getter and setter, so that any external access to that. Right. Has- so.
2: The same way that I work when I'm using Objective C because I definitely don't use anything that's in that refactor menu except for rename right, but with Objective C, at least you got key value observing I can't so you can remember what's in that refactor menu honestly.
1: Oh extract's good, try extract like if you want to like you you realize something should probably be in its own method or something like that. just highlight it, refactor, extract to method Ooh, I like that that's a good one. um the other good one in Xcode is rename and scope.
0: Control Command E. I always feel nervous when I use it, so I don't use Control Command E. I just put my cursor over the variable until the little down arrow, right, is, <laughs> and then I click on the down arrow and say edit, "Edit All in Scope," and then I do it. But I always like before I hit Enter, I just kind of like pause a moment and look, <laughs> I'm just like has it found every usage of this? Am yeah. I about to completely break it? I don't well, know.
1: Well, surely it'll it won't build if it didn't find. Like if you're renaming a variable and it misses yeah. one. Surely it's just going to not build now. I know.
2: (laughs) I probably should use tools like that, but I have, I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to not doing it that way. I think my way of developing for uh, like Objective-C is severely limited because I come from a web background. Where you just use a text editor. I just use a text editor generally. Like, I mean, I use Coda, which is probably one of the better IDEs for. For uh, web development, right? But even that's not really an IDE. Like it's not
0: to the same extent that uh, Xcode is. Or oh, and uh, I, I would Studio have to say, so having spent a little bit of time recently with Android Studio and Xamarin, Xcode is is lagging behind.
2: Oh, absolutely, I don't disagree with you there.
0: Um, the other thing I love about Android is the fact that the identifiers for your views are compiler time checked. Yes, much less. Strings. So, whereas in Xcode, in your storyboards and your nibs, you put strings to sort of say, this is the ID for this cell reuse. Yep. Or well, this is the ID for my segue. Yep. In Android, you specify the ID in your XML. And then in your code, it automatically generates a class for you called R for resource. And you just go R.ID and you've got a, a static literal. St- and, and it's like static. a generated. Yeah. yeah, it's generated from the XML. So, right. as soon as you save the XML, it updates the list of kind of constants in this file. And so it, the compiler can check it for you, the IDE can auto complete it for you. Um so you don't have to like guess. You don't have to do that whole, oh, did I use the right capitalization? Did I make a spelling mistake when I created it in my storyboard? So I'm I've got two approaches to trying to avoid this problem in Xcode. One is when I segue, I try and use the class of the view controller I'm transitioning to. To determine what it is rather than its identifier Mm -hmm. because then you can check if you can cast it to the thing you expect it to be. Right. Then you can kind of determine behavior based on the type of the destination view controller rather than its ID because um, the compiler can check that. But if I can't, for whatever reason, do that, I'll actually go back into the storyboard and find that ID and copy and paste it and then go back into the code and paste it in.
2: Yep, I do that too. That sounds like what I do. I copy and paste everything. I have a tendency to like, I'll remember that I wrote something that's very similar to what I want to do here. So I will go and find it and I will spend like more time finding it so I can copy and paste it than I would just writing it in the first place because I'm terrible like that such a waste of my time. I try not to slow... copy and
0: paste whole slabs of code. I
2: don't but... copy and paste whole slabs of code, but I will copy and paste like a chunk of lines mm. because I know that like I got it I got it nailed in those few lines. And so I'll go searching for it rather than try to type it by memory mm. even though it will possibly take me actually longer.
0: Mm. Certainly things like a uh, block syntax. There are some things that I never type from scratch because I can never remember. Block it.
2: syntax I don't have a problem with most of the time because I use of the time when I'm writing block syntax, right, I'm either defining a block, which I use... um, Type def block. That's the one. Type def. Yep. And when I actually use them, they're a parameter for a method. So I just... An autocomplete. I just do an autocomplete. Yeah. And if... If I then then need to for whatever reason move it out into a variable, I just copy and paste it from there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm getting. at. Yeah. <laughs> like I just I I yeah. don't have a, I don't necessarily have a problem with blocks syntax. Like I never have to look it up. Yeah. If that makes any difference, because autocomplete takes care of it for me.
1: You used to have to look it up all the time because Xcode wouldn't autocomplete type def blocks. Yeah, but yeah. Now that it was does. a big problem. Now it does at least. So. The
0: only problem I have with type def blocks is they don't tell you what the arguments are because you just get the type def thing. Like if you're looking through header files and you're like, what arguments does this completion callback take? And it will just say it takes a whatever the type def is called. And then you've got to like click another way to go and find them. Oh, well that's, I I enjoyed reading your blog post anyway. Thank you.
1: Thanks. We'll put a link in the show notes.
0: I think that this I'm enjoying looking at different technologies a bit more and trying to learn bits from one technology and see if there are concepts that are applicable i kind of like um what andy matusa was saying about it
2: did you finish that video
0: last time we talked you were only halfway through it yeah, i'm still only halfway through. <laughs> I, I, watched, I, think, I finished it yeah so i heard that you ha- and you've been applying some of the ideas do you want to tell us what's in the second half of the video and what you've done since
1: just in a little sample project but yeah so the whole thing is about trying to use value types where where you can, like he's not cra- crazy about it. You know, objects still have their place. So, you know, his view controller and his like database manager and stuff are all still objects, but it's more the model layer. So the model layer is completely value typed. So when you pass your model to the next class, it's copied by value, not by reference. And the whole thing is right. about trying to reduce outside influence in your methods, especially on... in threaded environments. Mm. So if it's passed by value and it's copied, suddenly all your variables are thread safe because they're never going to change from outside your current method. Yeah. That is the whole basically yeah. key. And so the first half of the video is talking about that and then the second half is question time. So if you've seen the first half, you've probably seen most of the points, although there's some really good questions, so still worth
0: watching. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the question time. I did, um, whilst I haven't watched the second part of the video, I did listen to a whole podcast between um, Andy and uh, Guy English on Debug. The most recent episode of Debug is a a conversation between the two of them and I found it fascinating. Um, The first half of that is really talking about um, the work that Andy's doing at Khan Academy and what that's all about, which Mm -hmm. I'm interested in anyway. And then the second half, maybe the last third, is kind of getting into the technical detail of that discussion about preferring value types. And that was good as well.
1: So one question which I had while I was watching the video and then was actually asked, so I was really glad about that, was what the hell is he doing with like core data? Because his app was core data backed and obviously core data objects are objects,
0: not values. And how do they manage that? And half the time, they're not even objects, right? Half the time, they're like faults that represent potential objects. And Yeah, that's right. It's like an extra level of indirection.
1: So they have like a translation layer in between the two, which converts like the core data stuff into value objects, which then are passed higher up the chain. So the core data stuff is kind of abstracted, as it probably should be. Um, And so the rest of the app doesn't really have to care that it was core data. All they see is the value
0: type model. Mm. which was good. So that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, cool. H- have you found it useful? Like um, I kind of feel like with some of these things and um, the other thing I've done this week is I did a React app, not React Native, just React Web. Mm-hmm. And this is a category of thing where I think I understand the argument for it. Like I understand why people that are advocating it are impressed with it, but I haven't encountered the problems that they're trying to avoid myself before. So it's hard to know whether their proposed solution is a big improvement or not. And I'm wondering if the same applies to this value type stuff with you, Ben. Like in the little sample project you've done, are you seeing enough of a difference? To, like are there problems that you would have previously run in with using objects everywhere that you just haven't run into? Or is it just the app's not that complex so you would have been fine either way?
1: Well, it's definitely a thought change. Like yep. I didn't really realize how much my... You know, like the compiler in my head was using reference types. You know, like Mm. as you write, you know that this one is that one, so I can change this one and then that one changes. Yeah. And this whole new methodology is about avoiding that.
0: Right. So as I was listening to his debug interview, I was trying to like casting my mind back to some code that I'd written and thinking how would have I done that without using reference types? Like I so often keep track of, I don't know, what the selected item is as a variable within my class and then methods in the class of kind of acting on the selected item. Yep. So yeah, it's all about trying to avoid that, basically. <laughs> yeah, okay, because that's terrible. I clearly shouldn't be doing that.
2: I still have trouble actually dealing with value types that just already exist in like Objective-C, because like, like strings, and... strings and ints and stuff are all value types, aren't they, in Objective-C? Strings aren't. Ints are. Strings aren't? Okay. Strings are objects. Strings are a bit See, weird in Objective-C. That's my point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> strings are reference types, but if you declare a new string with the same characters as an existing string, you'll get the existing reference. You won't get a new, maybe a new one.
1: <laughs> no guarantees,
2: but yeah, maybe. So is that why you use copy? Like, I
0: right? So copy is a way of avoiding some of the potential pitfalls of sharing a reference. Yeah, strings and copy as well is
1: also about because NSMutableString is a subclass yep. of NSString, right? Yep. You could accidentally end up with a mutable string in your class that is marked as non-mutable. And then because of that, that string can change out from underneath you in another class that you're not even touching or that someone else in your team is messing with. So you didn't even Mm. know it changed. And so it's all about risk minimization around that sort of stuff. That's why strings should be copy right. basically and the whole point is theoretically if it's a straight up string copying it doesn't actually increase the memory anyway unless it's a dynamic string but yeah it's like small small cost for a large risk minimization is the point so Ben did you like um using the
0: value based approach
1: yeah i think i did actually i would continue it, he mentions like later in the video i'm not sure if you saw this part it's kind of like a game anytime you make an object you kind of stop and go hang on does this have to be an object how can i make this a value type and that that was kind of fun i don't know it definitely slowed me down that's for sure but i probably go too fast anyway so maybe slowing down was a good thing and putting more thought into the architecture is a good thing and it's awesome just being able to like pass between threads like it
2: doesn't matter you can just do it which is kind of scary but yeah, but if you're using value types, then you can just do it and doesn't really actually. Because the either. new thread so, gets a copy, right? Yeah, look when you just pass get it, copy. whatever
0: you're passing, it yeah. gets a copy, and that copy's mm. disconnected from the previous one. It doesn't matter.
2: That's right. It's,
0: it's not a dog.
1: It's not a dog. That's right. <laughs> you have to watch the well, video to a... get that reference.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's the ref- that's the title of our last episode was you, you Can't go. Copy
1: Dogs. Oh, no. there you go. You can't. You can't copy dogs.
0: You definitely can't. That's good unless you have a special machine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a cloning machine.
0: Nice. I'm going to take this value approach next time I write some Swift, I think. I, I kind of so, feel like the apps I'm working on at the moment are a bit too far advanced to go and completely re-approach the whole thing. Oh, yeah. He says that in projects, the video as
1: well. Like, yep. It's a big change, especially on an
0: existing app. Yeah.
2: So now that we're recording, I probably actually need to do this, the uh, intro. I was actually wanting
0: to do it before we
2: went into Android and then didn't. And then ah. we kind of ended up halfway cool. through now.
0: With the magic of editing, you could move this to the beginning. I could, but will I, is the question. That is the question.
2: So, hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about mobile development for mobile devices. And that's any mobile devices, any at all, even devices that may not be mobile but are actually mobile. I don't know what they might be. This show is hosted by Jake McMullen. Hello. And Ben Trangrove. Hello. And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly, who may have had two glasses of wine at this point. And this is episode number 52. Happy birthday. (laughs) It's the number, because, yeah, okay. That I, think, nobody's get that. I think we should I, am, exp- I
0: think we should actually explain to the listeners. I am point, sad
2: that we that I completely screwed up and didn't record the first the, the first attempt at recording this episode because it was so good and our intro was so good.
0: Yeah. Everything was so good. You just have to console yourself that before we started recording this time around, we were talking about something really interesting yeah. you will never hear.
2: You, will, you won't even know what we were talking about. Because
0: we can't bring ourselves to have that whole conversation again. Until maybe next
2: time. Well, maybe. But it'll be old news by then. So infused with humor as well. It the vision was... level
0: was high. <laughs>
2: so many in-jokes. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That was my fault. You can all blame me. We can release just my part of the recording to Patreon. We'll release its sni- snippets. Yeah, okay. Yep. We'll do that. And maybe
0: we could like crowdsource the... Remainder of the show, people crowdsourced the gaps. That's brilliant. Yeah, people could submit the bits that they think that we had said in response to Ben.
1: Mm. Although that could make me agree with some very controversial opinions. <laughs> <laughs> you could put anything in there.
2: <laughs> did you agree with anything? I don't know if you did. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Who knows? Nobody will hear it. It's
0: lost. Oh dear! It's lost forever. Um. So what should we talk about? With well, that is a good question. The show
2: we have a half an hour. We have quite a lot of time. We could talk about whether or not the dress was white and gold or blue and black. Let's not.
1: Oh, I found that really interesting, though. I know it was like a lame thing. Like, did you guys read the science behind it and stuff? Um, I did kind of, yeah. I
0: skimmed it. Yeah. I, I was so trying to understand the, the phenomenon behind it more than the science.
1: I I
2: saw white and gold in the morning and then in the afternoon I saw blue and black. What did you see, Jake? Blue and black. I still, I still go back, and forth between it, and I think it depends on the context of what I'm looking at the picture in, right? Because if I'm looking at the at the picture, like directly on my Tumblr dashboard, which it just keeps turning up there, I I see white and gold because you know of the people all the blue. are editing it. People, no, I know people
0: are posting endless variations. Which I know. I've made. seen the
2: original picture, and I I have I've I've done some experiments with the original <laughs> picture. God, of
0: course, you have. <laughs>
2: i put I pulled it into my photos app and and played with the uh, like the color balance and all mm. that sort of stuff. Mm. it's it's, i mean, it it's very definitely blue and black. Like there yeah, is, it's officially there is no even. But what the is, dress is actually blue and black. What is blue anyway? Well, How do we know? That I mean, exactly. It's just terrible white balance, Jake. It's just terrible white balance is what the problem is. But I think, that, I, I mean, I think the science came down to the fact that people who take into consideration the surround, the surrounds of the dress, like all the. Uh, the background and stuff, which is very yellow, see blue and black because their eyes are adjusting the picture for that, for the ink, like the, the colors in Mm. the, in the complete picture. And for those who are not seeing it and not taking that into account, they see white and gold because that's, you know, because the, the, the picture is predominantly yellow in color.
1: So it's, it's about subtracting the color of the shadow the perceived shadow on the dress. Mm. For people who saw white and gold, the shadow was blue. And so they subtracted blue in their vision or in their brain. Right. And so Mm. they'd left with white and gold. So that's why there was a whole pile of stuff about, like stuff to white and gold people that look like a shadow to blue and black people look like a highlight and all of
0: that. That's fascinating.
1: I forgot. What was the name of the actual phenomenon? It was like color...
0: Ah, damn I don't it. Know. I'm gonna find out that's fascinating. It. Is it like that um, illusion where there's like a sphere on a checkerboard? Um, exactly the same. It, and yeah, the sphere yeah, casts exactly a shadow, like that. and you, uh, you, i think actually, that the greys are different. When yeah, in fact they're the they're same.
2: The same. It's just that you're eyes are perceiving them because you think one's in shadow and one's not yeah it's exactly the same it was just amazing that a photo could do that it is definitely blue and black though right and i think a lot the context is a lot I, i look at it in different contexts and i see different things and i know that mel who had been seeing it as white and gold all day we came home. I pulled it up on my phone, and I was talking about how you take into surround, like the surrounds, like and that that kind of uh, changes your appearance of it. And literally, she was going. She went from going, "It's it's white and gold. It's white and gold. It's white and gold." To going, "Oh my god, it just turned blue and black."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to me. That's funny. I actually that's almost funny. saw it fade across. I
2: can like, we talking about this. It like it. spread so out ridiculous.
1: from an area. And then How is this change the colour.
0: Is it like when you have those negative positive space things and you like you look Probably. at the, you know, you've got like two people's faces and the negative space between them makes like a wine glass. And what yeah. do you see?
2: Do you see the wine glass or do you and see the faces? And then someone
0: mentions the faces and you kind of like suddenly shift and you go, "Whoa! Is it a
2: rabbit or is it a duck?" So, that's exactly yes. what happened. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yes, it's it is. A, it's a dabbit. A duckbit? No, a du- a dubbit. It's a dubbit. Glad we sorted that one out. Mm.
0: I'm glad we did too. Very glad.
2: But uh, so I think this might actually have an application to um, mobile development, believe it or not. This is going to be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it actually I I don't think it actually is. We we perceive like people perceive color differently. And everybody perceives color differently, right? Yes. And I think that this is something that actually a, applies to every person's app because and I mean we've talked about accessibility before. Yes. We've talked about how like it's it's like it's difficult for people to see, you know, I think I should probably put a full stop right there. It's difficult for people to see stop. Some people. People have vision impairment and a lot of the time when people think about accessibility, people think about, well, my user is blind and so therefore can't see. So therefore I put text on it. On you know, accessibility text and I'm all good. There's actually kind of a scale between that, like, you know, it's not just one or the other. It's right. Not it's not just... just
0: that you can see or that you can't see. Some people see differently. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think it comes down to testing your app, getting as many people to use it as possible and finding out what their experience is. Because it could be that some see your app as white and gold.
2: And some people see that as blue and black. Mm. And only one can be correct, really. <laughs> but no, that's not necessarily true. Mm. What they see is what's correct, right? So if your if your app has issues because of accessibility problems, that's that is still a problem. It's not just a problem because you don't see it, and because you you know because the majority of your users aren't seeing it. It's it's mm. a problem. Speaking of
0: accessibility, accessibility, I ran into an interesting issue with an app that I've worked on that was recently released.
2: Would that happen to be the app that's number
0: one in the App Store right now? Yes, it would. <laughs> Funny, you should mention it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yes, in Australia at least. Oh, well. Um, so sorry, well, it's only available absolutely. in Australia. It is only shooting. available in Australia, yeah. and
2: on the iPad Store. Yep, it's not on the phone. Yet. Yeah, I did notice that. I went looking on my phone Ta- that is almost, phone. almost my phone that is almost an
0: iPad. Yep. So it's a it's an app for kids. It's a kids' version of iView, which lets people watch catch up television or video on demand for our uh, for our mm. public
2: broadcaster broadcasting network. Yep. For those who don't know what it's ABC actually is. kind
0: of awesome to work on because um, my son uses it. It's nice that hmm. I've been able to write and work on an app that he like, I, I likes. I think apps
2: like that, like apps that give you you know personal use or yeah, whatever family real, use, like family like a, members,
0: a, sometimes the best apps to work on. And it's kind of cool because he's only four and he kind of now gets what I do. He's like, Daddy, can you make it do this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, so because it's for kids, it has uh, some features in it which allow parents to change settings. And Apple suggests that if you want to develop an app that's specifically for children, that's going to be promoted as appropriate for children, yep. that you should have a parental gate. So a mechanism in your app that makes any settings or any in-app purchases or anything that it could that, that is not targeted towards the children, you hide it behind a user interface element that children aren't going to be able to get past. Okay. Um, So the mechanism we chose for this app was you tap on a button that has a picture of a grown-up so that kids can see that that is not designed for them. And then some text appears on the screen that says, please swipe up with three fingers, and it's randomised. So sometimes it'll say up, sometimes it'll say down, sometimes left, sometimes right, and the number of fingers will vary.
2: Please swipe up with six fingers. (laughs) <laughs> I don't
0: think we go to six, but <laughs> yes, you get the idea. So the idea is that children aren't going to be able to um, predict. So even if they see their parents do it, they're not going to, yeah, be able going to know what know they need what to do. Actually doing it, and it's designed for preschoolers who are unlikely to be able to read. Most preschoolers can't most. read. Yeah, at yet. least most. They might eventually be able to pick out left, right, up, down, and the number.
2: Maybe that they are kind of basic things, but they might yeah. not understand the swipe, uh, which uh, is kind it of. It also
0: key. requires um fine. Motor skills, which preschoolers are also less likely to have, That so takes a while for them to develop.
2: You know what's going to happen? You're going to have like some. It's like genius. Brain, it's like brain training yeah, for three year olds. G- they're going to all be able to do like, and just going to suddenly yep, all be able to do it
0: and get into the parent settings and unlock mm. unlock all those shows that their parents have locked because yeah, they're just all the shows in the too kids annoying, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's the feature is fantastic if you're a parent and you're so sick of like, your kid watching the same show like a hundred times. You can just go, <laughs> sorry, it's not in the app anymore. It's gone. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's not there. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: Lay the blame elsewhere.
0: Yeah. But the challenge for accessibility is, um, so if you've got the screen reader enabled, yeah. I mean, this is a multifaceted challenge. Yeah. The first most obvious thing is if you've got the screen reader enabled, the multi-touch gestures don't do what you do. Them Expect to do. them to. They yeah. actually do things that control the screen reader. So, yep. for example, a two-finger swipe from top to bottom will cause the screen reader to read the screen starting at the first element and automatically go through the elements one at a time. Yep. Um. So instead of having to trace your finger around the screen and touch everything that is interactive, the screen reader will just read it. Read all. And when the you're ready, things. you can double tap once. This kind of gives focus to the to the item that. So you don't kind of need to know visually where something is. Right. You can just listen to the screen reader go through things. Yep. So if, if the instruction was swiped down with two fingers, well, you can't do that if voiceover's on because that two-finger swipe down has another meaning. Right. Likewise, a three-finger swipe left and right is for panning, for scrolling a collection view, one page at a time, mm-hmm. um, because a single-finger swipe left and right gives focus to the previous and next element. So all of the gestures on iOS do different things when voiceover's turned on. So what do you do to, With accessibility. With or- accessibility. I don't know. I don't know the answer because <laughs> you could pick something else that's hard for kids to figure out. But if VoiceOver is on, you can't use rely on the fact that the child can't read the text because VoiceOver is going to read it out. Yeah, And then you've got to think about why is VoiceOver on? Is it because a visually impaired parent is setting up the app for their child who can see? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Or is it because a visually impaired child is using an app and the parent can see? In which case, mm. you know, it, I think it's just highlights that accessibility isn't just a a box, just go through yeah. and add a label for all your elements. You actually have to sit down and think through the features of your app, what they're designed for, who they're designed for, and then think about, okay, if that person can't see, what do we do in that case? Mm. So apologies to people who have impaired vision and are trying to use the app in its current state. Because it just don't work. No, we've got to figure this out better and if anyone's got any suggestions
1: so shiny things switched they switched away from swipe with multiple fingers to do this they switched to a sum and then you have to drag the answer into a box to that was to cover the fine motor skills thing but that still doesn't really work for visually impaired people because you can't find
0: you can't, the item and you can't necessarily yeah. drag it either so you could do a sum and say tap tap on so the, the screen they didn't want the number the of times equal to four plus seven. Yeah, but what if that's you true. have
2: like tap on the screen the square root of two thousand seven hundred and sixty five? Does that even have a square root? <laughs> I don't Who know. knows? It might be a trick question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you'd obviously have to pick something that's <laughs> an appropriate uh, uh, level of complexity to make it out of reach of preschoolers but within reach <laughs> of everyone else <laughs>
2: yeah it doesn't have to be unlocked by like a Nobel you know Nobel science physicist person mm. do they have I don't even yeah A physicist let's just go with physicist mm. or mathematician mathematician perhaps, perhaps yeah
0: mm.
1: what about a set of numbers that are randomly ordered and you have to tap them in an order so you could do that
2: with voiceover and it would be hard for a
1: three-year-old to read that. It would and... kind of
2: be annoying with voiceover. Wouldn't you have to go through it multiple times or at least know where the item is, on, like where the, the numbers are on the screen?
0: There'd only be four numbers, say. So you'd you'd present like four digits and you'd say tap the three, tap the two or tap the second digit, tap the first digit.
1: No, tap, tap them in order. One two three four or something like that, because otherwise a kid's just going to get it one out of four times.
2: It Needs to be a particular. So you might get like four two one three, and you go and you one, have two, to three, tap four. them in uh,
0: ascending order. Yeah, no, nah, preschoolers will get that.
2: But if you, what if it was like what if it was like you know thirty seven forty two five? That'd be a good question. 68. You could
1: do other things. Tap all the even numbers. Tap all the primes that are divisible by. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so the the parent has to sit there going, ah, It's "Still going, so it must be right." Yeah, no, that <laughs> failed. Oh, I'm so bad at maths. Yeah, was my topic a stretch, Ben? Did you find it a stretch?
1: Nope. I'll give it to you. That was an excellent segue.
2: Because yes. um... I am master of segue. Not like Jake in the last episode. There was a bit of a stretch segue there.
0: Speaking of segues, <laughs> here we go. How about that Tesla? How about that electric car?
2: I've ridden one. It is amazing. A Tesla? Yeah. Yep. How was it? It was amazing. It was really good. Like, I walked away from that going, I wish I had much more money than I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish I could afford this car.
1: Model 3, man. Model 3. That's what everyone's holding on hope for. Yeah. Well, or, or now the Apple car, right? That's what... No.
2: I, I'm not holding. I have no interest in the Apple car. I am super into this Tesla, though. Okay.
0: <laughs> are, are we all accepting that Apple are making a car? Because I think I we went from people disbelief to now widespread acceptance.
2: If Apple develop a car, is that a mobile device? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it, yes yeah, definitely I mean, it's definitely a Is it not the most mobile device? Yep. Because it makes you mobile? Yeah, I agree. So, therefore, do we talk about development for this car? this yeah, definitely. <laughs> is this, car, is this mo- podcast going to turn into like a mechanic podcast? Um,
0: given that the podcast <laughs> has already gone off the rails, I feel like completely... Able to bring up the car, and um, I think Apple are working on a car. Do you want? Uh, here's why I think it's it's a real thing. I think Tim Cook, in particular, is really passionate about the environment. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen since he's That's, come yep. to the helm of That's, Apple, they've completely like addressed all of the concerns Greenpeace had with the recyclability of their products. Yep. they're making a huge point of how green they are in terms of trying to use things that can be fully recycled, get rid yep. of chemicals. They're building data center power plants, solar power plants, to produce sufficient power to power all of their operations. So every new Tes- data center. Is
2: Apple? I thought Tesla was doing that. Maybe Tesla so, are doing that too.
0: And Apple are doing it. So okay. they, they now have online in the States um, solar farms that okay. generate enough power for their whole data center. And they're doing the same for their new headquarters. They've already announced right. that they will be on 100% renewable energy. So the fact that they're so focused on the environment, I completely could see that they would see developing an electric car as being a really important thing to do.
2: And it's also fair to say, I think, that, I mean, Apple, it's kind of known that Apple have, like, Apple have an R&D where they, where they work on like you know create prototypes of devices that they don't necessarily ever ship because
0: that's how you come up with things like the iPad and the yeah. iPhone. Like I think yeah. they actually do less pure R and D than other companies. Like Microsoft have a section called Microsoft Research that is basically pure computer science research, like academia. Like it's
2: yeah. I I mean I I mean more like you know they they build prototype devices. You know yeah they do a lot of things. prototyping Prot- that we don't yeah. see yeah that we don't yeah. necessarily ever see yeah. And I, necess- I, I think that that's, you know, like for every device that we do see, there's got to be hundreds of things that we don't necessarily mm. see. And I don't ne- just necessarily mean, well, you know, they came up with the iPhone 6 by creating, a you know, a ton of different sizes and figuring it out. Yeah, there will be like whole other devices. But whole haven't. other devices. Yeah. How do we know? Like I, I'm fairly certain that that, at, at Apple somewhere, there probably is the Apple TV that everybody has been kind oh, of yeah. wanting them to create with yeah, the actual sure. screen and everything. But and and they but they, they also take other it as, devices because I think
0: there's a huge difference between investing sufficiently in something to come up with a prototype, even a prototype that works really well, and taking a product to market. But so the, here's the other reasons I think they would be working on a car in terms of retaining talent. So did you guys read the Johnny Ive um, profile in the New Yorker? I did not. No. Okay. It's really long. It's really, really long. Oh, it's like a whole book. Yeah, Wow. Well, okay. But something that I got out of that is he, Johnny Ive, appreciates cars. He does. Um, And he's an incredibly talented designer. And Apple really like him. And it, wow. And at various points in the past, he has thought about at least retiring and sort of saying, I'm done, I'm going to move back to the UK. So potentially, if for no other reason, then it would give him something to use as a creative outlet a challenge that mm. that you know maybe he's like ah uh, you know i've done so much with computing and mobile devices and i'm kind of interested in something else you know if you've got several hundred billion dollars in the bank why not just spend a couple of billion on keeping your talented designer happy by giving him a yep. project well I,
2: I i think it's even more than that right i don't i think that most of the devices that we come out with johnny i've probably has a relatively light touch on them these days, especially stuff that hasn't necessarily gone through a massive design change.
0: So the profile goes, it's actually the, one of the first times a journalist has been in Apple's design lab. Like right. He spent some time in there with the, Ive and the team of designers. Um, And you're kind of right. There was like clear evidence that it's a team process, that there's yeah. lots of people that contribute to the design of products. But I think Ive is very much involved in pretty much every
2: Well, yeah, I mean, but I don't necessarily think, like, it's. uh, it'd be more like somebody comes up with designs and Johnny Ive has, like, has kind of oversight. oversight, And it's his team. Yeah, I don't think he's doing everything. But I don't necessarily think he sits down with the designers and goes, yeah, I think you maybe should make this rounded corner 37 degrees more round (laughs) than it is currently. I think that would feel. (laughs) It's the Apple way.
0: (laughs) Authentic. (laughs) Um yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So but the, there are two of my reasons. I think I've got another one. More uh, aluminium. Environment. Tim Cook likes the environment. Johnny Ive likes the design. And I think the thing that sets Apple apart from its competitors almost more than anything else is the fact that they're so good at manufacturing and scale and operations. I think we underestimate how much of Apple's business that oh, is. Oh, they these are very days. good. They are very good oh, at logistics. Was- that was like Tim sourcing Cook. materials, yeah, sourcing materials, setting up Tim supply Cook. chains, manufacturing quite complex, like pieces of metal. Like the fact that they've got Unibody Max, like the CNC machines that actually, you know, shape the bodies of the Max are actually similar to sorts of machinery that would manufacture cars. I watched a really interesting um, video on a plane the other day. It was like you know those kind of kind of crappy documentaries that they have on. Of video on demand yep. on airplanes. Mm-hmm. So there's one called Dream Cars, How They're Made. Oh, that it was about, sounds like one. It was about Bugatti. There's, um, you can see it on YouTube. They've got the whole 40 minute show available. And Bugatti is like a luxury car company. In yep, they make the Veyron. Yeah, the, so this was about the Veyron, right? Yep. The Veyron is made by The Veyron by hand. that no longer exists. The last one was made. Okay. But it was made by hand, by like, they show footage of people making this, right? And they're like, they've got a kind of paper or cardboard stencil that they lie down on a piece of fiberglass and sketch it out with chalk and then get a pair of scissors and cut the outline. Yeah. And then they stick it into a mold by hand and like smooth it out with like a piece of a plastic spatula. And then to put another one in, like if I don't mean to be criticizing the Bugatti people, they're obviously really talented and they make high-end cars. But it kind of show, to me it brought home the fact that the process of manufacturing a car is actually not necessarily that high tech when you compare it to manufacturing the sort of small, like low tolerance devices that Apple makes. Like it's well, it's, it's quite, definitely not. It's kind of quite coarse and rough, and like you can like if Apple can manufacture millions of precise electronics devices, I'm sure they could manage the manufacture. Like, I think that that's a competitive advantage. So those three things. Tim Cook likes the environment. Johnny Ive likes designing. Apple's good at logistics and making stuff. If you put the three together, I completely believe the car story.
2: Do you think that a Johnny Ive car would actually look... Any good, though? Like
0: I don't care. I want one. That's Sorry, that's the fourth thing. I want to believe. <laughs> sorry, maybe that's what the first this? thing. What is this? The X-Files?
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, no, look, I, I I think that you're probably right. I think Apple, like, I haven't really put a lot of thought you, into it. But when you
0: put your thumb on the touch ID that is the ignition, it would make the bong sound that the Macintosh made when it starts up. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> and you'd get in the car.
2: And, uh yeah. I won't make any Apple centric jokes because they've already been done by everybody in the okay. media. But I, I mean, I haven't really thought about it too much, other than the fact that I know that people are obviously talking about this. I know that they talked about it on Top Gear for like all of thirty seconds. Oh, did
0: they? They did. They did. I uh, see. I don't watch Top Gear, but this is enough to make me tune in because I'm actually not interested in cars right, at they all. They didn't really, but, talk but I about am it for interested in long. electric ones. They
2: made like they spoke about it. They made some jokes about yeah, how okay. like would, would it? It would crash. Yeah, you know, would it? Would it, you know, uh, release you know, naked photos to everybody through iCloud? Like, just stuff like that. Uh, like, and so, you know, it wasn't particularly in depth, but it's, it is everywhere. Like, mm. the point is, it is everywhere. I haven't paid much attention to it. I honestly don't know. Like, I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to afford an Apple car thinking about it See, that's their, the other thing. I think the, that if yeah. you
0: think about what Apple's done with technology generally, they kind of find technology that is good, but not mainstream. And produce it on a scale that makes it affordable to the, like affordable but still premium. So I I think that they wouldn't be the same price as the Tesla. I think an Apple electric car would be like what's the Tesla like? One hundred and thirty grand for Model S, something like that. So maybe Apple's would be sixty, eighty. Like it's not going to be a ten thousand dollar car. I feel maybe maybe eighty would be more appropriate. But I think that if they did it, it could be. It'd
2: definitely be closer to a hundred than fifty.
0: I think. Mm, Be interesting
2: i mm. I'm kind of in australian dollars i should I should kind of highlight yeah, australia we we're, we're talking Australian dollars because that's the only thing that we have which are know, only that's worth our, how our brains
0: seventy u s cents at the moment mm.
1: did you guys see the samsung car that was announced? I thought
0: Samsung had made cars for some time,
2: yeah haven't they? I mean they make boats. I just
0: made that up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was like meant to be funny.
2: Yeah, I figured
1: by the time this episode came out they probably would have have (laughs) announced. I actually think Samsung
2: make cars. Well they started as a ship maker, so give them give them a couple of years. I
0: mean Apple have to release this first.
1: Yeah, right, so they can copy it.
0: There are Samsung branded cars well, Samsung make boats, like ships. So Samsung makes it started. So it's not kind of nuts that the world's biggest company. Would potentially the world's biggest company whose CEO is a big fan of doing things for the environment, whose chief designer has a personal passion and interest in cars, Mm -hmm. and who are great at manufacturing stuff. It's not crazy that they would think about. Potentially branching out.
2: No, I don't think it is. And I'm like, like I've, I think, tried to say several times. I think you're right. I think Apple probably have started at least working on a car. It's nuts, though. Can you believe it that? That kind of see the, seems crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah it's crazy. It may not ever idea. see the light of day either. I don't necessarily think it may see the light of day. It no. may or it may not. I don't like, I'm not going to. The fact that the Wall
0: Street that. Journal had a story makes me feel it was like it was a controlled leak. That they wanted the world to Yeah, they're
2: pretty good normally.
0: Mm. But generally when you see a Wall Street Journal story about an Apple thing, it's because it's like, oh, it's at the point that Apple now wanted out.
2: Yeah, okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I I mean, they've just they've just kind of come up with the watch. Maybe the car is next. Who knows? They go from a tiny device to an enormous device.
0: I feel so liberated that we're not talking about, like we're completely off in speculating about crazy Apple rumors. Let's, <laughs> uh, can, can we put predictions for this 9th of March event on? This show releases
2: on the 9th of March, so you will have just missed it, I think, because it'll, no, actually it'll be the day before.
0: Fantastic. So predictions. We're going to get an Apple Watch. Oh, probably. I, d- I doubt
2: we would. I would say that we won't not get an Apple Watch.
0: Well, I mean, the whole event's about the watch, right? Well, it's yeah. Like, I mean, it's here's a reminder, kind of, everyone. This is what, what, what is
2: we the 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 line that they've they've released is like spring forward or something. That to me yeah.
0: sounds like very watch. Yeah, yeah. So here's my prediction about the watch. I think that there are features we haven't seen yet that they will announce for the first time.
2: Yeah, I don't necessarily think that they're going to be big features though. If they're going to have add new features to the watch, but I don't think that they're going to like. Yeah,
0: really changed the game. I, I agree. And when I meant feature, it may even be as small as a first-party app we haven't seen yet. So, like, not, uh, not an actual device feature, but just an app that they've spent oh some yeah. time thinking about that that turns out will be nice to use, but that they didn't demo. So, I it's think that possible, there'll be something, yeah. something we haven't seen.
2: Well, I think that at, le- at the very, very, very least, we will see kind of companion apps for the yeah. apps that are already uh, on, that we already on have phone.
0: on the phone. And I think maybe there'll be something to do with identity about the fact that if you have a watch you can use it to prove that you are who you are in more circumstances. I would
2: really like just logging straight into up your Mac. To be able to log into my Mac with it. So I use not to unlock with my Mac and yep. my phone. Knock to unlock added recently added a feature where Anytime that a, a like an administrator box dialogue comes up and requires you to enter your password, so let's say you're deleting an app that you'd purchased from the App Store or something, yep. uh, anytime that that happens, it will actually pop up a knock-to-unlock window and you can just and knock, you can your phone. knock nice. on it and it will uh, unlock it. The issue that I have is sometimes... It just doesn't connect, and it's actually faster for me to enter to test, my yeah, password than to wait for it to to uh, connect yeah. up and and unlock and a, and actually probably eighty to ninety percent of the time
0: that's the case but mm. what about things like um say your phone is locked with a passcode and uses touch ID yep if you've got a watch and it's in contact with your skin because it's got a sensor to tell whether it's left contact or not yep then maybe whilst you're Watch is within range of your phone, and your watch remains within contact of your skin. You don't have to unlock your phone. I would love that. And it I don't unlock necess- your phone if you part company with your watch. Is that yeah? Is that, that the sort
2: of thing that you would you, you expect from Apple? Like is yeah like, like having something like, back, like that? Yeah, maybe
0: okay. I don't know. Other than that, I don't have any other predictions about the watch. I don't care. I feel about like
2: the it might actually, while you're in range of your computer, your Mac, that notifications that come through to your computer will appear on your phone the same way that... On your watch, you mean? uh, On your watch, yeah. Yeah. So thinking about it like as in, in Yosemite, right, we got uh, like, handoff and con- yeah. continuity,
0: and it's, things like if you read an m- iMessage on your computer, it marks it as read on your phone.
2: Right, and you know, f- and, fu- and 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 uh, text messages that show up the green bubbles, yeah. uh, they uh, appear on your uh, on your computer, and phone calls come through to your computer and stuff like mm. that. I wouldn't put it past them to actually tie the watch into that so already you're going to get notifications show up from your phone to your watch yeah i feel like maybe what will actually happen is you'll get the same thing with the mac when you're in in range of it possibly Mm. that'd be cool that would be cool all right you ben
0: you got any predictions
1: i don't think they'll do the like i want to see some sort of unlocking my phone thing too but i can't imagine it will be if i'm wearing my watch and holding my phone because like then i could just steal both and suddenly they're all unlocked
0: no but if they steal your watch it's lost lost contact with your skin and the watch can tell your phone. What if they cut your arm off? But right. Well, can then I they just could put the... Also, put a temperature if sensor then in put the so I can tell on it how hot unlock. your arm is. And it can be like your arm's cold. Right. It mustn't be connected to your body anymore. Right. I'm going to lock this phone. Yeah. so Okay. It, and once pulse. you've
1: taken the watch off, putting it back on doesn't unlock it
0: again. You have to... No, you got to unlock it. Okay. Like touch okay.
2: Maybe. Yeah, I See, I I that sounds good. I don't necessarily know that this is gonna sound terrible. I don't necessarily know that Apple are capable of that.
0: <laughs> it does sound terrible, you're right.
2: But you understand what I mean, right? Like I, it's I not the sort to of know level of
0: some capable people on that team. Yeah. I that's capable. not what I
2: mean. That's not what I mean. You know what I mean. You're just making fun. I I mean that like out of all the things that we do that we've seen, right, it's not that like the logic behind what how it works is not that complex. So when you're near your computer, things will show up on your computer that were on your phone and yeah. Yeah. somewhat vice versa. But there's not really like, you it's, know. The implementation But maybe if tricky. this has happened and then or, or if this, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. This, there's too many if statements yeah. there. Yeah. No, I mean. you could, I feel, That's what I feel like.
0: It's not. It's ma- not and there. maybe we're being yeah. unfair, right? Like, I just feel like I'm. Um, again i want to be excited so i want to be surprised yeah. i want there to be something that i didn't already know so i'm kind of trying to imagine what that thing's going I to I feel be.
2: like there's probably going to be something that we didn't already know i don't but like i said when we started on this path i don't necessarily think that it's going to be quite that uh a big of a change
0: yeah
1: i reckon he's going to drive an apple car onto the stage <laughs> the with his watch an autonomous <laughs> watch. car that
0: it's like it's like the um, is it the batmobile like he'll just talk into his watch and he'll say Oh, yes. Come round the front now. I'm ready to go. And the car will just drive.
2: And run over like half of the audience (laughs) on its way
0: in. Yeah, 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 good. And this is why... We saw those cars at the WWC keynote that time, those little Bluetooth ones. They
2: were actually all <laughs> Oh, the, the Bluetooth ones.
0: That was like two years ago, man. They, that two was a ago. prelude to what's about to be unveiled. Oh, they,
2: and on, then they had the cars last year, the The actual size cars, the actual cars did with CarPlay in it, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they car, did. Yeah, they had the CarPlay ones. But then, so it was, a, it was a progression. So there was the tiny cars and then the big cars and the next step.
0: It's going to be the flying car. No, <laughs> okay. I was going to say the
2: remote-controlled full-size car that drives itself. But sure, why not? Flying, flying car. a Apple. flying car. I mean, so we're, we're just kind of talking nonsense now. So no, I can, think can I, can we get back actually, to reality? I think Apple is. Then Apple's next device is going to be a pig <laughs> that flies. Okay, a pig.
0: So, so I, I was, I was enjoying <laughs> being freed from the constraints of having to talk about programming. But I do want to be kind of semi-serious. I think there'll be new iPads. I think we'll get a three X display iPad. Nah. Mm, uh, no, I've kind of, of bet, I've kind of bet on this, so um, nah. the kids I've you have iPad. It's got three X assets in it because I'm ready.
2: Uh, iPad, well, that's not really a bet, is it? A bet is something that you have stakes in. What there like, are three X assets? Yeah, there are no ready to go. St- there are no stakes in that. It's just like you're prepared. I don't think so. iPad is now in the uh, in the American fall schedule. It happens. Yeah, prior that's to the Christmas. October release, right? Yep. Is that fall? Okay. Now I've yeah. my yes. reputation.
0: I think there will be three uh, X, maybe. I don't even think the bigger so. Screens.
2: They might, they might do the iPad Pro, but I very much doubt it because, like, you know, the the bigger screen, twelve yeah, yeah. inch yeah. thing that people have been That'll talking be about. 3X they might have a new MacBook,
0: right? MacBook Air, the the rumored twelve inch, which Retina. is actually what I just you yeah, know just thought of that.
2: That that might be a possibility, but I don't think there's going to be a new iPad. I don't think like. I think they're not going to want to take away the spotlight from the watch, right? The watch is the key yeah. thing. I don't think they're going to want to you know release a new de- like announce a new device. I alongside think that it. the
0: audience for the watch and the audience for the iPad or Mac, for that matter, I don't think it matters. Are so completely different that they could like talk to the watch audience and say, "Here's your exciting watch that you're waiting for," and then kind of almost when their events finished, they could say, "Oh, by the way." Mac people, we got something for you too.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's going to be anything. I think it's just going to be the watch. Just the watch. Okay, I agree.
1: Just the watch. Right. Maybe an update on how Apple's going to start off with, and then into oh, the watch. Of course there is. Yeah,
2: they're going to have sales numbers. <laughs> they didn't do They that just last come out of their time. biggest quarter. Well, they just come out of their giant, their biggest quarter, right? Of, they're, of they're any, made, co- of any company true. ever in history. Yeah, they've just made so much money, and they're going to want to bo- also. Going we'll to want to see boast some photos
1: of the new Apple stores that have opened. That's always good. Yeah, there's always, there's Maybe going to be video. a video.
2: Yeah, there's going to be a video that's going to be like a designed like intro that has some feel good message, and
0: there'll be celebrities wearing watches.
2: No, I don't necessarily know that there'll no be way. celebrities. No celebrities. There'll be normal
1: people. They won't be like Bono. Ethnically diverse people that will be wearing the watch in like happy situations.
2: Yeah, in the in the in the in the advertisements. They're gonna show an advertisement for the watch, obviously. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, probably two. Um <laughs> well there's gonna be there's gonna be the advertisement for the kind of the the consumer level watch and then there's gonna be the advertisement for the kind luxury. of up scale luxury yeah. watch.
1: Probably I'm at, so you like, guys a ball gonna, or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. Guys Some get sort
1: one? of evening event with a I'd giant like to chandelier
2: I'd like to get one because I can probably afford it, as opposed to an Apple Car. But uh, we'll, time time will tell.
0: And do you think we'll be able to order one on the ninth? Yes, we will be able to. Or do you think it's going to be US only for the first? I don't think it'll be US oh, only. I question. think that
2: I think Apple have moved past US only releases for their devices because mm. they're too big. They're too Asia uh, global a company. I don't necessarily think that we'll be able to order one on the ninth. I think maybe there'll be pre-orders, so you'll be able to like register for one. But I don't think you'll be able to like drop coin on it.
0: And do you think they're going to be challenging to get hold of? Is it going to be like the iPhone, where people line up overnight to get hold of it, and they sell out and stock? And well, out, I can tell you what. I'm not
2: a, I'm not lining up overnight because I tell you I, I'm I'm just too old for for that biz. <laughs> too old for that biz.
1: And the. Yeah, ordering online is so much better. It like half the it time is. comes before you'd even make it to the front of the line.
2: Like that's yep. my experience. Well, mine didn't last. My phone didn't last no, year because, because I remember You're we right. had a we had a we had a a a, a thing going on this, and yep. it didn't happen. But but you know, I I, I think I, it's I safe to say that I will order one online if so I do. So
0: I can't tell whether people's appreciate like the mainstream public's appreciation of Apple is sufficient that people will order a brand new category of product site unseen just because it's Apple and they want one, or whether because this is so new, people are gonna to want to try it out in the store and touch one before they order it. So part of me is thinking, Oh you know what? These are actually going to be easy to get hold of because I think I
2: don't think it matters because I mean the iPhone, that that's not what happened. They didn't have to try it before they buy it. Okay, is that even that's not even good grammar.
1: There are two sizes and a lot of variants, though. Like I would kind of want to see
2: one in real life. Mm, that is true. I, I mean, I I still don't think they're gonna. I, I don't think they're gonna be available to order or online. Uh, maybe pre-order. I think we'll probably get the 8.2 update uh, the day of, or maybe a few days after the the announcement. Yeah. Um, that will probably drop, and they'll probably talk about that in in the mm. event. Um, we'll I think get, it will come before the watch.
0: We'll get developers to submit your Apple Watch apps
2: yep, today. Yep, and uh and then that will release and then people will be getting new what like will be getting apps and then they'll drop the watch because that's because when if they do that, then all of the third-party apps will be there, people will have already updated their apps and they'll already be ready to go. Mm. So, I think that the watch is probably still going to only arrive in around around April, which is what Tim could said in originally, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. In the earnings call, recent earnings call. Yep. I think so. I think the watch will probably drop, actually drop in April. I, th- I don't think you'll be able to order until that point. Yep. You might be able to, like, put your name down or something like that, but I very much doubt it. But 8.2 will definitely drop, like, you know, maybe the week after or, or very close to the event. Cool. That's Looking my prediction.
1: To. That sounds pretty good, actually. You've convinced mm. me.
2: Yeah, you've convinced me as
0: well. And I think we'll see a new a new feature that may or may not have to do with a self-driving car. I very much doubt it'll be a self-driving car.
1: There is no way, even if an Apple car is real, that it's self-driving. That is not Apple. No. Apple don't do that, like, computer science-y, hardcore research yeah. stuff. No, I That's agree. That's like a Google I thing.
0: Just, I was just being silly. Well, Google <laughs> already
2: have a self-driving car, right? It's just not available to consumers. Yeah. And um, Tesla are obviously working on it. So, you know, there's that. Hmm. They have all the, like, the current... Set of Model S's already have like the um, autopilot, as they call it, tech built in. Yeah, Mm. autopilot, Mm. but it's just not like it's just not enabled because it's like the software isn't quite up to yet. Mm. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, that's cool. I just don't like. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's kind of a great idea, but it's also scary.
1: It's like a legislative nightmare, though. What if your car crashes itself? Whose fault is that?
2: So, Top Gear this week. This week's Top Gear. Uh, they actually talked about like self-driving cars as part of their news, right? Yeah. And they po- like they posited a very interesting question. What happens if you somehow end up in an, a situation where there's a car oncoming? So your car then goes, okay, well, I have to swerve. Yeah. But if I swerve, there are pedestrians.
0: Yeah, so you're thinking of a short-term future. I'm thinking of a long-term future where the car oncoming and your car are both self-driving cars and they're networked and they're networked with the road and sensors in the road know where all the cars are and the cars know where all other cars are relative to themselves and so there's just no way you could ever have a head-on accident because before the car even comes around the corner, your car knows where it is, the other car knows where it is, and so the we're, how do we get So to we're that, talking like an,
2: an infinite, an infinite timeline now,
0: are we? No, I, I don't think it's infinite. I think it's the logical progression. Like I think the big, sh- the big change that's potential for cars is for them to know about one. That's I think, a long I think way away, though. The, a car to be able to drive itself is like a is a, a change, but for a car, for them to become networked, for one car yeah. to then be able to communicate its knowledge of what it's doing to the rest of the traffic and for the whole Same traffic as system as a whole work. to be managed. Yeah. And, the, and then you can run the whole that. thing, like and traffic lights and you can like just, you know, the whole traffic system. Well, are traffic lights even? No, they wouldn't be needed because all the cars would know where all the other cars still were already feel, going.
2: I still feel like that's quite a way off in the future, though. Sure. Down the track. I mean, round the corner. You've got to take into account the, the fact tittle. that there are people that are going to be still driving old cars for quite some time, right? I mean, we just make them illegal. We,
0: yeah, they'll be made illegal. For how? Like two days though. Yeah.
2: Too dangerous. How soon though? Like tomorrow. To-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Think about seatbelts. Sure, why not? Seatbelts were, you know, made mandatory yeah, because because you could demonstrate. That's a big difference between lives. the whole
1: car and the seatbelt. <laughs> and also,
0: if you had but a car and no. seatbelts already, like, you could keep not, driving it, like, It's a huge
2: matter of scale, right? Because if you're going to have a car that is networked with roads and other cars and stuff like that, I mean, for starters, consumers all have to have cars. There also has to be some sort of standard, and I mean we can't even get a standard for like for messaging systems, let alone for for talking between cars. You know, and every time that somebody does come up with a standard, it's just added to the current set of standards, so it becomes 15 instead of 14. Um, there's an XKCD comic about that. But then on top of that, like you've got to have the infrastructure, and then so the governments and and like like levels of government have to roll that out, and we all know how slow government. Moves. Okay, so we're it's going to have to slid. create
0: our own country where if you want <laughs> to be a citizen, you have, <laughs> you to, have to sign have up for the self-driving, the self-driving car. car that knows about all the other cars. Yeah. That's yeah. The way
2: I okay, I, I will sign on to that. Can we call it, <laughs> can we call this, Utopia? this country, can we call it Jellytopia? Jellytopia.
0: <laughs> okay, I think that's it. If you would I'm like done.
2: to read any of the stuff that we have talked about today, unless it's complete and utter gibberish, which is probably how it ended up, we did have a couple of glasses of wine between me and Jake, you can jump onto our website that is mobilecouch.co forward slash 52 to see our show notes. You can also get in touch with us there by jumping onto mobilecouch.co forward slash contact,
0: because that's where the contact form is. Hmm. And thank you to those who have been in contact. Yeah, it's nice it's, to hear from you. It
2: is really nice to hear from
0: you. And it was nice to meet some of you in person over the last few years. I'm weeks. still jealous about,
2: about that. I'm the only person who hasn't met somebody who listens to my Cow. <laughs> I listen to the show. <laughs> Nice to meet you. It's a good show. It's good to meet you. Yeah. Okay. I don't think anybody saw us shake hands, but, <laughs> no. you know, we can... I'll, oh, I'll cherish that memory forever. Oh, good. <laughs> it's getting late. It is. You can also get in touch with us. Through email, the old school email, by sending an email to hello at mobilecouch.co. And it will be lovely to get your email because at the moment, most of the email that comes through is spam. Like two out of three emails is spam.
0: If you want to write to us about how we can improve our website,
2: if you would like to write yes. to us about how we can improve our spam, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Jake is J McMullen. That's J M A C M U W L I N. Ben is Ben Trangrove. That's B E N T R E N G R O V E. And I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to our patrons who are amazing and support us month in, month out. Um yes. and thank- pay thank you. pay for you to listen to this show, which is amazing. It's incredible. We look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks' time. Post Apple Watch. Post Apple Car. Post Apple Car. We will talk to you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.